Chad, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Good. Um, so here's here's Chad, and here's his uh, email address for for the pictures that you can take of yourself in your living room, and um, and send them to us. And at the end of this broadcast, we're going to show the pictures of the people around that are worshiping with us online today. That way, we can see each other as the church. That said, I'm going to ask Chad, if you will, to lead us in a word of prayer. So, Chad, if you'll go ahead. Father, we do love you. We thank you so much for uh, for who you are. Um, God, we uh, we just ask that, that you would speak to us in this time. Uh, God, help us to see you uh, more clearly. Uh, help us to uh, fall in love with you more. God, help us to learn from you and your word uh, through Pastor Philip. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, we're going to go now to uh, the Harper's house, and they're going to lead us in some worship.
Aren't you glad that you have the Lord of hosts to be with you um, during like times that are very um, difficult? I know that I am and I know that you are. I'd like to thank Scott for leading us in worship and also Tim and Sam Harper a little bit earlier. Um, we, we do seem to um, get off to a little rough start right at the very beginning, but this week was a little bit better than last week, actually a lot better than last week, but we're, we're still trying to work all this out. And um, so you, you pray for us as we do all that. And um, so we are going to continue um, with uh, the message now. You are in my, in my kitchen. So this is where the cooking takes place. And um, that's the microwave that I clean that I've referenced in, in, um, in sermons before. And then right over here is the, the refrigerator right there, so that I've cleaned before. Um, I will not be taking you to the office, by the way. Uh, that's not going to happen at all, it, because I don't really want you to see the office. We cleaned it up the other day. It looks pretty good, actually, because Aurora came home, so it, it is kind of straightened up, but it's in there, and we're just not going to do that. Um, <clears throat> I have uh, been on probably Facebook a little bit too much here lately, just trying to see how people are doing and, and uh, while they're quarantined and they're staying at home. And um, I've run across a lot of friends that actually um, are posting that they are putting up their Christmas decorations. I actually think, honestly, that some of my friends just never took them down and they're just plugging them, they're just <laughs> plugging them back in. But some of them are actually putting them up. I, um, I called a friend of mine named Josh Hill. Well, I texted him. I didn't call him. I texted a friend of mine named Josh Hill the other day and uh, asked him if he was putting his up because he's like a guy that plays Christmas music in July and then a little bit more in August and then a little bit more in September, October, November, December, and he's, he's just full-blown Christmas guy. So, but um, he said that he had looked on Craigslist for a, um, a tree, a, a fake tree, an artificial tree that he could put up in his home. So it's even on his mind, too. Um, if you ask yourself why people are, are wanting to put up Christmas decorations, I think it's because they want to get to a place of happiness and a place of, of joy. Um, Christmas is always an exciting time for the majority of people. I know it's kind of difficult for some, but for the majority of people, Christmas represents uh, a moment of happiness, a moment of joy, and people have been um, concerned and fearful and um, stressed out during this particular time that we're going through as a country and as a community. Um, and so it, people want to put up their Christmas decorations to kind of get back attached to some sort of joy. And I, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. I want to be attached to joy. I mean, I enjoy a good win, don't you? Don't you like it when your basketball team wins? Well, if you're a North Carolina fan, probably not this year. But it, don't you like it when your basketball team wins? And, and it's very exciting and it's very joyful. Don't you like it when your uh, kid is on a soccer team, a football team, a baseball team, whatever team they might be on, and they actually have a win? And it's incredible and it's just a joyous moment. I know for us, we are kind of band people. Um, when Aurora and the marching band 
was able to get a trophy. There was a lot of joy and excitement in that when Quinn, this past year, his uh, marching band won some stuff. We were very, very excited about that. And, you know, joy is something that kind of erupts in a moment like that. Um, you kind of wait to see if you won, if you won, if you won, if you won. All of a sudden you did, and it's, it's an incredible moment, and joy comes in and happiness. Um, when you're going through a trial, you always look for that trial to kind of, you know, kind of get to where you're free. For instance, if, if by Wednesday of this week, um, we heard from the governor and from the president of the United States and from other people and the news outlets and everybody we've been listening to that we are going to lift all these restrictions and go back to life as normal because the virus is now taken care of and it's been defeated. That would be a moment of joy. Um, Seth Parnell on Facebook, on our <clears throat> church's Facebook page, posted this video and said, um, this is going to be Philip the first Sunday that we're actually back in church again. And it's this guy running down the aisles and he's high-fiving people. He's doing flips. He actually picks up this guy and carries him outside. And, and it's just a, a very exciting sort of moment. It's very funny. But yeah, I'm looking forward to um, when we're not doing this right here, um, where we're in, in the room together and where I'm preaching to people that I can actually see um, I've enjoyed the drive-in church. It's, it's just really been great to see people in their cars and, and preach to them. We just did that at 9.15 again uh, this Sunday morning, and it's, it's a wonderful time, but I'm really looking forward to that moment where we're all back together, and what, what a great day that is going to be when we can worship together once again in church. It's, it's a joy. It's a joy moment. But, you know, the question is, is joy, is real true joy, really that uh, fleeting? Is it really that shallow? Is it really just attached to times when we're not in a trial? Is it really attached to uh, Christmas only and wins and, and moments? Is it, does it really just come in and out at those moments? Or is it deeper than that? Is there more to joy than just celebrating a win, than just celebrating a gift you get at Christmas and the Christmas time and getting with family? Is it, is it more than just a moment where we're all back in church? If you were to ask God that question, he would say, no, there is more to it. There is a lot more to it. Is there more to it? Yes, God would say. There's more to joy than just the fleeting circumstances that make you joyous one moment and concern the next. So if you'll take your Bibles with me and turn, your, turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. So turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. I'll give you a few moments to, to turn there. And... Um, James is in the New Testament. So here we go. I'm going to have to stand for this. <clears throat> it says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So let's stop a moment. Wait, wait, wait. What are you saying, James? Count it all joy. That means all. Because in school we learned that all is all, and that's all all is, right? So we count it all joy at Christmas time? No. 
At a win? No. At the moment we all get to go back to church? No. No. We count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various times. What in the world does that mean? We are supposed to count it all joy during times of trials? Well, is it just certain trials or is it all trials? Is it little trials or is it big trials? When do we count it all joy? Well, the word various there is like um, the colors on a color spectrum. Like if you, if you had a, a box of crayons and you saw all the colors and you could pick different shades of blue or different shades of, of red, if you're on the computer and you use any type of design software, you know that there's a color spectrum, right? It's a color spectrum to it all. And so blues have various shades all the way through, and reds have various shades all the way through, and yellows have various shades all the way through, and on and on and on, brown and black and gray have various shades. And what he's saying here is we count it all joy in various trials, no matter if they get, get um, their medium or whether they're really heavy or whether they're light, or what type of trial that they are, in all kinds of trials, every single trial you can possibly think of in this life, we are supposed to count it all joy to be able to participate in those trials. This is really counterintuitive. It's not how we normally think. There's none of us that would say, hey, I want to be joyful today. I hope that there's a trial so that I can be truly joyful. But God is telling us here that we're supposed to count it all joy when we go into a trial, when we have a trial in front of us that we need to attack. God is saying this, take it to the bank. Trials is where you and I, you and I, actually learn real joy. We actually tap into real joy in trials. So God, what what should bring us joy? Well, he would say um, trials. It would be trials. Well, what if it gets worse? Well, there's more joy involved if it gets worse. What if it gets better? Well, there's joy involved in all of that. Regardless of the trial, of the various trials, we are able to tap into joy, true joy, that is not just fleeting like a wind or like Christmas time or like this, that, or the other. We really tap into something that's more solid when we count it all joy to enter into a trial. The text continues. It says this, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Why do we count it as all joy to go into a trial? Well, first of all, it makes us steadfast. It tests our faith. But even more than that, the steadfastness that comes with it. Uh, Verse 4 says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, the various trials that we have in our life is actually um, situations that perfect us on the inside. It is only during a trial that we go through that we realize our weaknesses. Like sins come to the forefront during a trial that do not normally come to the forefront like during good times. 
it, it, we're, we're able to focus on those, those realities. We're able to focus on those sins and do something about it. Sometimes <clears throat> when a trial happens, and it, it shows us a weakness that we have, maybe a weakness in faith, and so we have to work on it. We have to work on that particular weakness in faith. And so every trial that we go through in this life is a tool that God uses to perfect us to steadfastness and, and to perfect our soul. In fact, it is, it is a tool that he uses to line our soul with him, to make sure that we are totally focused on him and relying on him, and that we, we really love him and get to know him better. It's during a trial that, or trials, various trials, that those types of things happen. And so we count it all joy because the trial that is in front of us, get this, is good for us. This, what we're going through as a nation, and this virus, and, and you know, being sheltered right now, having a shelter issued by the government where we can't, you know, do certain things like we used to, is a moment that God is using to perfect us, to help us, to make us steadfast, to help us in our faith. Um, I know a lot of you have seen Dead Men's Chest, Pirates of the Caribbean, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure you have. And if you remember, at the end of that movie, he's on the pirate ship, right? And there's the Kraken, and the Kraken is big, and it's got big, you know, jaws and stuff. And it's Jack Sparrow is alone on the ship because the rest of his friends are escaping for the life. And he looks at that big monstrous thing, the Kraken, and he says these words, Hello, beastie. And then he jumps in, right? And he has his sword and he goes in fighting, right? And he's going to attack that particular um, thing. Now, we know, no, spoiler alert, that it actually takes his life. But he goes into that moment, to that situation, to that trial and says, Hello, beastie. That's precisely the attitude that we should have when a trial like this occurs. We look at it, and it's huge, and it's big, and we say these words. I'm counting it all joy. Hello, trial. I'm jumping in. Hello. I'm glad that you are here. Hello, hard time. I'm jumping in, and I'm jumping in because I know that this particular trial is meant for my good. This particular trial, I'm counting it as all joy because there's something inside of me that needs to be perfected. There's some sin that I need to confess and deal with. This is going to reveal stuff about my character and make it better so that my character and my soul on the inside of myself is in line with God. Hello, beastie. Hello, trial. I'm jumping in. You see, trials, according to this passage of Scripture, bring you to the place where you lack nothing. Where you lack nothing. In fact, as you go through life and you're counting trials as, as joy and you're being perfected on the inside, you get to a place where when a trial comes, you're like, yeah, I'm counting this as all joy and I'm going to Put my head down and I'm going for it because I've already been here before and I know what to do. But what if you don't know what to do? What if there's a new trial like the one that we're currently going through here? Um, what if there's a new trial that we really are not sure um, the steps that we need to take? What if there's a trial like that? What do we do? Well, look at this. Um, verse 5, it says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. 
So yeah, it's hello trial, I'm jumping in. Hello beastie, I'm jumping in. But when a trial comes on that, that we don't necessarily understand, we take a moment and we pray and we ask the Lord for wisdom so we know what to do. So we know that the steps, we know the steps that we need to take. If any lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. This is a promise. When a trial is upon us and we hit our knees and say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I know that you do. Please, please give me wisdom and knowledge so that I can know what to do during this trial to follow you. How I can approach this trial so that inside of me, you know, my, my, my life is perfected and, and I deal with the things you want me to deal with. But check this out. But let him ask in faith, it says, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You see, sometimes when we pray, we, we do not pray in faith that God would actually give us the wisdom, that he would actually give us the knowledge that we need to make it through a trial. And we doubt that he would really do that, that he would actually answer that prayer. And when we doubt, we are like a wave that is blown to and floor. We're double-minded and unstable in all our ways. So what we have to do is we have to ask God for wisdom and for knowledge, knowing that he's going to give it to us because it's a promise in his word. So you ask God for wisdom. You ask God for wisdom. Now, how does this play out a little bit in life? Well, what I want you to do is I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke, Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, and we'll begin reading with verse 22. So Matthew chapter 14, we're going to begin reading with verse 22. And here's what it says. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, that's Jesus, and go before him to the other side, while he, that's Jesus, Dismiss the crowds. So the disciples are on the boat. Jesus is dismissing the crowds. Verse 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. There was a storm. And they were being beaten by these waves, and they were a little bit concerned. Verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking upon the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. Let me pause here a moment to say this. Sometimes Jesus walks towards you, and you don't recognize him. He walks towards you in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your hard time, and you do not recognize him because you're gripped by fear. You're gripped by trying to survive. You're gripped by all these other things. You're gripped by the fact that you are not counting this trial 
as joy. And so when you see him afar off, or he comes to you and tries to help you, sometimes we don't recognize him because of how we are acting in our storm. But that's not really the point of this particular, what I'm trying to get to here, but it's a good one. Verse 27 that says this, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heed, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, All you of little faith, why did you doubt? Here's the deal. Here's Peter. He's on the boat. And, and, and the winds and the waves are hitting him, hitting him, hitting him. And he actually asked Jesus if he can come out to him on, on the waves. If he can walk on top of the storm. And Jesus said, come on. So Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on water. I submit to you today, number one, that this is very exciting. It was very exciting for Peter. For Peter to be walking on the water, going toward Jesus, was an exciting moment. It not only excited Peter, it also excited the people in the boat. In front of the boat, counting it all joy to get to his Savior. He went out of the boat, focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith, to walk on top of his current circumstance that was bad, that could possibly take his life. He was walking on top of the water, going toward Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, that is when you and I counted all joy in a trial. It's when we jump out of the boat and we're walking on top of our circumstance. That is when we really have faith. The problem happens to us, as well as Peter, when we take our eyes off of Jesus when we quit counting it as joy to be in this trial, and we look at the waves and the wind and the rain, and we start looking at the circumstances, and then fear grabs our heart and steals our joy. It steals our faith. So we look at these waves, and we look at the stuff, and we start to cry out, Oh, Lord, save me! Oh, Lord, save me! Oh, Lord, help me! And the joy is gone. It's gone. Then Jesus is always there to say, I'm here to save you anyway. And then he says, Oh, ye of little faith. Listen, you and I need to be people of faith. We need to have the faith to say, I'm going to count this particular situation, this particular trial, as all joy. You see, four weeks ago, we were not doing this. We were in church service. Three weeks ago, we had to adjust our church services to where there was two of them. Last week, we started driving church and then streaming. This week, we're doing the same thing. But this week, as the levels of restrictions have happened, you know, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And now, starting Monday, we're in the shelter in place, right? In shelter in place. It seems that the trial in various stages across the color spectrum, the trial is getting very it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And so that that makes us concerned. But here's the deal. At each stage that it gets worse, we count it more joy than the previous stage. 
We look to Jesus and we have, we have faith in Jesus that he's going to get us through. And we say, Lord, if it's you, let me walk on top of this current situation. And so counting it as joy and putting our faith in Christ, we can actually walk on our current circumstance, above our current circumstance. You see, this is the difference between a trial and a temptation. A temptation is there to bring you under, to take you down, to make you less than you really are. But a trial is something that you can actually overcome and walk on top of. So we count it as all joy that we're given the opportunity to look to Jesus and have faith in him. And so that he can work on our lives and make us more steadfast and perfect, James says, so that we can be more like him, so that we can walk above the trial so that fear doesn't grip our soul. So, how does that how does that work? I mean, do we stay at home, or do we go out and fight? And do we stay at home, or do we just go out and fight? Well, let me unpack that a little bit for you biblically. There's this guy named Nehemiah in the Old Testament that God told told him that he needed to build a wall around Jerusalem. And so he he went and he started building this wall around Jerusalem. He knew that it was God's will for him to do that. And so he was building the wall. As time went on, there became um, people that said that they were going to attack the people. They were going to take the lives of people. And then he had threats against his life personally. And so in in, uh, Nehemiah chapter 6, and you can check this out sometime today, there was a guy in town that told Nehemiah that, you know, your life has been threatened, so why don't you and I go to the temple and we will hide ourselves there. We will shelter ourselves there. We will quarantine ourselves there. And basically what he was telling him was you can from the temple give instructions to the people that are building the wall and how to build the wall and and where to get the material and anything that you need to go, you'll have a messenger between you and the people, but you would be able to remain safe in the temple. And that way, if they come at night, your life is spared. If they, if they come during the day and they shoot an arrow, your life is spared. You can be safe. If you just join me in the temple and shut its doors, you will be safe there. And Nehemiah responded, I will not, I will not, um, hide myself in the temple. I will not um, close myself up to what's going on around me and the danger around me. I, in the earlier part of that chapter of Nehemiah chapter 6, I, Nehemiah saying, have a great work to do and I will not neglect it. I will not neglect it at all. And so he didn't hide himself in the temple, he went out to finish the task that God had given him to do. Now, on the other side, is it faithless to hide? Is it faithless to quarantine yourself? Is it? Do you have a lack of joy? Does it show a lack of joy, a lack of dependence on God? If you, if you don't go out and do what Nehemiah did, well, I, I think that you have faith even when you hide. Think about King David. David, before he became king, was running from Saul, and he hid in in caves for a certain amount of time. He, He basically quarantined himself, so to speak, for a certain period of time until it was safe to come out. And so he constantly ran from Saul. He didn't want to engage him because he knew that's not what God wanted him to do. And so he protected himself by hiding. Later, 
Absalom, who was his son, took over his kingdom. That's another point in time where David left his kingdom and he hid himself for a period of time until it was safe to come back and God was going to bring him back to the city to be king once again. So Nehemiah, he had faith and was doing the job. And David had times in his life where he hid but still had faith in God that God was going to deliver. But for this particular moment in time, he needed to stay um, quarantined, if you will, in this particular environment. So I say this to say, say this. You may be out there and listening to this and you're a nurse or you're a doctor. And you know that when you go to work, you may uh, have to interact with people that have this virus. I'm telling you today that you need to count that as all joy and that as the task that God has given you. And you need to go to work in faith that God's going to work it all out that you get a chance with joy to help people because you were putting to that you were put into that position for such a time as this. So go with faith, go with joy. Don't be scared. Just do it like Nehemiah did. Another group of people that I think is the same way as the grocery store people, the people that work in the grocery store, whether it's a manager or people checking people out. If you're one of those people, you work in retail where you have to, you know, See everybody come through and buy their groceries, and, and you're worried about the virus. I want to tell you this. You are placed into that position for that job for such a time as this. Do it with joy. Do it without fear. It, be smart. I think you should wash your hands. I think you should protect yourself as much as possible. But you are doing a service to the community that the rest of the community can't do for themselves. You have to be there. And so do that with joy and not with fear. Don't look at the circumstance. Don't look at the waves. Just do that job without fear. And we could go on with jobs like this. On this side of things, you may be at an age that is older, or you, you may have a baby at home that you know this virus would not be very good for, or different things like that. And you really don't have a job like, like, you know, the nurses, the doctors, the grocery store people, and the people working drive-thru and stuff like that. You don't have that particular type of job. So you know that you can stay home for a particular amount of time to help this situation out. And it would really help if you stayed at home and you only did a few things here or there and kept your numbers down to less than 10. Listen, that is also faith. You can step into that moment where you have um, restricted yourself, you can step into that moment and do it with joy and count it as all joy because this is the thing that you are called to do in this moment. So, you know, um, count it all joy when you meet trials. Ask God for wisdom and understanding as to what to do. Be willing to look to the author and finisher of our faith and step out onto the waves and walk on top of them, whether you're at home don't be scared if you're home, or whether you're out helping people. Don't be scared to do that either. Walk on top of the waves and look at Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Nehemiah says this in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Wait a minute. The joy of the Lord is my strength? Yes, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, if 
I want you to turn to whoever is watching this with you at home, and I want you to turn to them and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay, I want you to do it again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yes, and it is. And then a verse that comes from Psalm chapter 118, verse 24, um, is, it says these words. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Say that to the people in your room right now. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You see, as we face this particular season, or if we're facing other trials in our life, how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to get a paycheck? My mom has cancer. My dad has a heart condition and he's in the hospital and I can't see him. When we have these particular trials that are going on, we first of all count them as joy. This is an opportunity for us to learn steadfastness and for God to perfect us on the inside. It's a great opportunity. We count it as joy. We say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It is what will get me through this. And we wake up each day saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so if we, if we get to tomorrow and we start the day like that, but then all of a sudden we're thinking, oh no, fear and it's getting worse, and now I know somebody with the virus, and I'm not sure, I can't even find chicken and, and, or toilet paper in the grocery store, and we're thinking all that kind of stuff. We step back and we say, Lord, listen, I need wisdom and knowledge on what to do. I'm counting this as joy, and this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And Father, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it, if it's raining, if it's storming, if it's sun shining, or if it's perfect weather, this is the day you have made for me to go through. This is what you have put in front of me to go through. And I'm going to say, hello, day. I'm going in. So that is the message this morning um, from James chapter 2. Count it all joys, brothers and sisters, when you go through various trials. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for everybody that's listening um, to this message, either this morning or this week. I pray, Father, that um, this is a message that will encourage them to look to you, to focus on you. I pray that they will approach each day this week with joy, and they'll count it all joy regardless of what type of day it is. I pray, Father, that they will constantly have those verses on their mind that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And they'll have the one from Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 on their minds as well. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So we leave them all into your hands because they're more than capable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to move now to um, seeing those pictures that you sent in. Okay? Um, so here are the pictures.
awesome, and I hope you have a great week. And if you need anything, um, call me or text me or email me. I'm here for you and I'm praying for you this week. Grace and peace. See you next week.